0: everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is Bo Bryant with the Shamrock Restaurant Consulting team here to talk about the best practices and strategies relative to combating inflation and how to get that contraction to stop. We recommend that you start by identifying where that impact is hitting you specifically. One of the first steps that we do is try to really categorize it or break it down. By running a food cost report and looking at what was our food cost Before this inflationary period, what is it now? And where is it being impacted the most? We'll take that a step further, physically take the menu and write down what the food cost, the plated food cost of each item is next to each item. And then understand what that whole category is. Look at one category versus the next category and try to identify where is the highest point of impact. And then we lay over this 4P strategy. We look at the promotional opportunity within the items that have been least affected. We look at the preparation method. We look at our product strategies and what we can do to offset some of this burden of expense. And then we also look at where are opportunities for what we call POD or point of distinction. So I'm going to break down each one of those four. And we'll start by talking about preparation. We want to identify what's not working where that's impacted the most or where there's the least amount of profit in our menu. It can't always just be about the profit percentage. The least amount of profit, oftentimes we just assume the highest percentage of cost and that's a bad item. But if I have a stake at a 40% cost that I sell for $20, I'm still taking a lot of money to the bank. We have to understand the impact of that. And and the relationship between percentage and dollars. That being said, within this preparation method, after identifying those items that have been impacted the most, we have to look at where are our product reduction and or increase strategies. And I'm sure that sounds counterintuitive, so let me walk you through that. Product reduction makes perfect sense. There are just some reckless behaviors sometimes that happen. We're all grabbing French fries by the handful and nobody in the restaurant even knows that the spec on our recipe is six ounces. That could be considered a reduction strategy. Uh, And I'll give you an example of how we find portion reduction strategy. This might sound crazy, but we will literally go stand by the trash can and we'll scrape food off at the dish pit to see where are we overportioning? What are our customers telling us is too much on a plate? That tells me that there is an opportunity for portion reduction when I start to see the most glaring repeater on that uh, offenders list. Next, let's talk a little bit of the portion increase. If I have a three-to-one burger patty, a 5.3-ounce burger patty on my menu, and I'm charging $9.99 for this plate, and I'm running a 35% food cost, could I get away with rebranding that category and promoting our new half-pound burger? And it's only a third more, but I can get a 40% price increase on it. I can go from $9.99 to $14. All of a sudden, my guest has a completely different relationship with that value proposition. And it didn't come across as just changing the price. Next, we talk portion redistribution within the mix of the product in any given dish. There's also an opportunity to take an increase and a decrease, and I'll give you a a perfect example. Uh, We were looking at a Cuban sandwich, roasted pulled pork and our shaved ham. We were using two ounces of ham and three ounces of pulled pork. We moved the pulled pork to two ounces and moved the ham up to three. The bite was good, the flavor was good, same amount of protein by ounce. The ham was a lot less expensive than the pork, uh, and it allowed us to take a very modest price increase. Now, on a sandwich with that shaved ham that had a higher volume, the aesthetic and presentation to the guest was different, seeming like there was more value in it just based on the overall volume and height of the product. So, that's an example of portion redistributions. One of a really interesting strategy that we've seen, and we have quite a few antidotes that I'll spare you on, uh, is the presentation. Can you replate or represent that? plate in a way through adjustment or otherwise that allows you not to make mistakes. And uh, We've done similar strategies where we just put a buffer between a burger and the fries by putting a ramekin of ketchup on the plate. Not so much that it was better, more cost effective for us to do a ramekin of ketchup versus a bottle at the table, but creating that wedge in between took up more surface area on the plate, forced our guys to put less fries on the plate. So you can handle presentation as rudimentary as that, or you can get a lot more dynamic with changing the plating, changing the plate altogether. Uh, And that's a really good segue for us to then start talking about the next part, which is product. Analyzing our entire product list and looking for similar alternatives. And this is a recent scenario that just happened uh, with a group that we work with. They had baby back ribs on the menu. The price had become just not tenable. We started with the evaluation of, could we do a third portion or a two-third portion? After evaluating that, it wasn't going to find us these really huge gains. So then we started looking at different products. We ended up landing on a St. Louis rib and we were able to do two-thirds of a rack of a St. Louis rib. And that St. Louis rib had a lower cost per pound. And then it was just relative to us and the technique and execution to make sure that we got a very delicious fall-off-the-bone product. And we were able to accomplish that. So next we look at, further processed items to help with our reduction of labor. The cost for a finished product needs to be weighed and balanced. What you pay on a further processed product has somebody else's labor. in You can't compare that to buying your product in an unprocessed way and not putting your labor into it where it makes sense. And this is a conversation. If you know me, you know I talk about the knife and the whisk all the time. I would rather spend my labor by putting my whisk into something to make something unique and different according to my recipe than by putting my knife into something because the guest can't taste whose knife was in that. Now, when it comes to inflation, and interestingly enough, when we look at produce, for example, you look across our RSS line from Marcon, we move to a processed product and it tends to have a more consistent, more predictable price point. A reduction of processed. Uh, when the chicken wing market has gone through the roof, maybe I would say, hey, I could scale enough product across my entire menu to buy whole wogs. I know that's a crazy example because chicken wings are popular and you can't get enough of them relative to a whole bird, but use it as an example of how you could look at menuing a different item uh, or going to less process because you can spread that item over multiple different places. I'm going to combine these two together and that's through an expansion of a category or the reduction of a category. In the example we showed earlier, The appetizer category was doing really, really well from a profit standpoint, and the burger category was taking a bath. So we took a couple of burgers and we moved it to three two-ounce sliders on three slider buns. The reduction of costs on eight ounces worth of ground beef to six ounces far outweighed what we lost in the excess cost of the bun. And then we put it up in a category that already did really well in our appetizer category, created a little bit of contraction in the burger category. And those that wanted a burger now were finding it in the very first place they were looking. And that took some of that pressure off. Next, I want to talk a little bit about promotion. And this is a place I feel like is missed quite a bit. If we don't analyze our menus to identify what items are profitable, oftentimes we don't see people or operators apply a promotion strategy to that. So identify those items. There are some menu formatting techniques we're going to talk about in just a minute. But even within just the traditional sales promotions, whether you're running contests or you're building future LTOs, which stand for a uh, limited time offer, or even just in your daily specials, promoting those items that you know are popular or reimagining very similar items based on the ingredient mix that is profitable. And then one of my absolute favorites is just simply through recommendations, the psychology and the value of servers and bartenders making recommendations based on two simple things, what their favorite item is and what their most popular item is. So just remember within the context of that, we're not saying where the favorite or popular is coming from. It's your favorite as a server because you make higher tips on it. It's the restaurant's most popular to them within the inside the restaurant because it's profitable. It's a very impactful statement. It doesn't necessarily have to be by what your audience is saying. Favorite and popular can apply specifically to you. Promote towards the profitable. I want to talk about the point of distinction. This to me is ultimately the number one catalyst in being able to capture profitability on any menu. When a guest recognizes an item that you have on your menu that is just like an item everybody else has on their menu you get indexed into what they call fair market value. If you have an item on your menu that is familiar, but just uniquely different in a couple of different aspects, or it's just completely unrecognizable, but sounds delicious, the guest doesn't necessarily know how to attach the value to that. They won't look outside of your restaurant to figure out if it's priced right, but they will look within the context of the rest of your menu to see if it's priced right. Let's talk about menu management strategies because this exists outside of inflation. One of the most common questions that we get asked is, how often should we change our menu? And that answer to me, in a best case scenario, four times a year, in an absolute worst case scenario, two times a year. The real question is, when I change a menu, how do I manage menu price changes? Well, it's not just this blanket pricing strategy, it's surgical. Looking at this as a best practice, reformatting the menu. I'm not talking an entire redesign. I look at the menu in two layers, the back layer, the design work. The front layer is the content. That content should be able to be lifted off, edited, moved around, changed without impacting the background. These best operators, when they take a price change, they won't just take a blanket price change. They'll look at what items need to be changed. And then when they change the price, a little bit of a change of the name, maybe some change in portion, presentation, um, pricing. They will definitely change the location. Eliminate column pricing. Study after study shows us that the way that we want a guest to read the menu is very simple. Look at the category. If the category gets your attention, you'll look at items. You'll scan for items by name. If the name catches your attention or sounds like something you want, then you read the description. If the description did a great job of selling you and making your mouth water, the price becomes secondary. So if we're giving them column pricing, we're disrupting that entire expectation. Now instead of them finding the category, the item and the description and then justifying the price, we're putting the price right in front of them in a very easy way to rationalize how they want to spend their money. And then based on what's within their budget, then they'll go read the item, see if the value proposition is there and make a decision that hurts us. One final rule just about pricing logic is a rule of 10%. And what what people had identified is what makes a customer feel like something has been overvalued in in a price raising strategy. At an incremental price increase of 10%, if the item was between $5 and $10, you're allowed about 50 cents worth of range in a price increase. It goes from $8 to $8.50, still reasonable and within that 10% rule. Over $10 an item, it literally moves up to a 99 cent value from 1099 to 1199. And the guest does not push back or fight back. Finally, don't ever hide behind a price change. We get in front of it. We tell our customers about the new menu. We promote the new menu instead of hiding behind a price increase. So we try to build excitement. Every time we do a new menu, we try to feature a couple of unique or new items. And then we promote those as a special first. So now, when the customer comes in and sees the new menu, the rearrangement of stuff, they're not confused. They understand price changes because It was promoted and told to them. Here's the open-ended invitation. Shamrock has a dynamic stable of former restaurant owners, operators, some of the most dynamic culinary people you've ever met in your entire life. If you need more, we're always a call away. Please reach out and best of luck to you.